This is the Talk Theatre in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Anne Nicholson-Weber, and my guests are David Cromer, Eduardo Placer, and Derek Trumbly. Uh, David is directing, or has directed, I guess he's pretty much done, directing Rent at American um, American Theatre Company, co-produced by Bout Face. And Eduardo Placer and Derek Trumbly are members of the cast. Eduardo plays Angel, and Derek plays Roger. And I think we might want to just start, David, with um, a question I know you've been asked before, but uh-huh. just to kind of set it up, why did you want to do Rent? I haven't asked it, but I probably never answered it well, so I'm going to try again. You get one more, <laughs> uh, one more get shot, one more at, shot at, at this. You know, I, I, I just, the, <laughs> I just, <clears throat> I just really wanted to. I love the story. I'm hor- I'm just horribly, I'm terribly moved by it every time yeah. I listen to it. Uh, I've had a the long relationship that anyone who likes musical theater and buys the CDs has with something like Rent. Uh, you listen to it, you start to picture a production, and then. Um, and then I, I think I thought um, I had no way into it. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't seem like it was had anything to do with me. So I really loved it and was sort of moved by it. But I didn't think I, I didn't have much of a connection with with the idea of the story. I was moved by sort of the emotion of it. I love a good mm-hmm. I love a good heartbreak song weepy. and mm-hmm. and and I love a good weepy and Rent is filled with yes, them. Yes, it is. And uh, had uh, you seen it? Had you... I had never seen it. I'd oh, never seen. It. I'd seen parts of the movie, uh-huh. and I'm in you know it's safely in the majority of people who think the movie was not successful. Right. Um, uh, 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 but um, I can't remember what it was. I don't remember how it came up exactly, but. I was thinking about it. I think I was talking about it with some friends who it meant a lot to, and I realized, not that I have to have a personal connection to a piece of material, but mm. I realized that I had been wholly and completely denying the part of the story of Rent that had almost everything to do with my life, which mm. was like what Struggling it was like artist. to be, which was like what it was to struggle, right. which is what happens to everybody. Everybody struggles. Not every artist. Everybody struggles. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes a transition out into making their way into the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the universality of it. And I got excited about that and an opportunity came up. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it was lucky. And I would think at this point in your career, because you've gotten kind of famous and maybe probably not rich, but um, I would think <laughs> that you have... People know I'm slightly... A few people know me and I have a few dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so you, I think, I would imagine you have more choice. You can... Is that true or is it not actually yeah, true? Yeah, it is true. yeah. I, I do, but I do write this minute. Mm-hmm. And I won't in a month, and I will a month after that. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and I didn't, so it comes and goes. So right. I do right now have a certain amount of choice, but yeah. And does that make it harder to choose what you're going to commit to, that you actually could do something else, or even two or three something else's? Yeah, it's hard to, I mean, I, I, I get, I get it's, it's nice. There's a period of time when there's a lot of offers, which mm-hmm. is an ungracious thing to say. But, you know, there, there's a chunk of time when... Uh, there are a lot of offers. You know, you you you, you pick the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um, life's very short. <laughs> you know, it turns out, and uh, 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 so you know you want to you want to make sure that things you're spending time on are things you wanted to do. You want to yeah. do. And have you made any kind of commitment in your mind to I'm going to spend this much time in Chicago? You know, because you do keep coming back. Is it? Just... No, I can't really do that at all. Mm-hmm. I actually just thought I didn't want to travel too much next year. I mm-hmm. just thought that one thing that I haven't really thought that that too. No, no, I haven't. I've been back here, but I wasn't back here last. Year. <coughs> Pardon me, last year I think. 
No, I just, I, I just, you when know, it's, it's like a safe place to come. come. I mean, mm-hmm. I love, I love coming here. I love, mm-hmm. you know, all my friends are here, you know. And could you have done this production of Rent in New York? Uh, well, uh, I think there's sort of a two-part answer to that. One is literally I couldn't because the the, the original producers of Rent have have a commercial off-Broadway version mm-hmm. of it directed by Michael Greif, which is lovely, uh, that's running now so at no New World Stages. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so literally, couldn't would a production like this be responded to in New York? I think so. I think mm-hmm. I think there are people, as many people as there are here who 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 like it would like it there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it certainly felt to me like I mean, it's about New York, of course. Yeah, it's about yeah. New York artist, so it has that. But there was something to me that felt like, oh, this is Chicago theater, and I wondered if if I mean, I don't know enough about New York theater to say it's di- that different, but there was a quality to it that felt to me like. This well, is a Chicago production. Yeah. Maybe that universality David was talking about, about everyone is struggling mm-hmm. all the time. And that's, that's good that you felt that. Yeah. Yeah. So it means we're doing, we're doing good work. And some of it had to do, I loved the way you reconfigured the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of shows here, and I kind of walked in and said, wait, whoa. <laughs> 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 Did I come to the wrong theater? Can you explain, just quickly for the, the listeners, you've reconfigured it into an alley. Um, yeah, yeah. And can you at all explain why you wanted to do that? Um, hmm. uh, I wanted an alley configuration is a, is a configuration I've used a lot. It presents the possibility of an enormous amount of, of uninterrupted movement mm. that is not just right to left that proscenium has and is not kind of the dinkiness of a small diagonal in a thrust. Mm-hmm. It gives you a, a real, an incredibly big place to to walk from and to stride across the stage an incredible place to walk to. New York is a grid. The East Village is a grid. Um, it's all squares. Mm-hmm. There are organic shapes within it, but ultimately it's just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes. Um, so that was part of it. Um, some of it is just gut. Some of it is just instinct. Um, uh, in terms of reconfiguring the space, I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking, um, and I don't do this enough to myself, but if you, you say to... You know, an actor like here's here's you know here's you know here's these five things you do well, but we're gonna push for this sixth thing. Let's let's go over by six and work on six because this role maybe'd be interesting if like we bumped up this thing this sixth thing that you sort of do a little bit and made this a big part of it. So you kind of you want to push a script. You want to say this part of the script. Let's expand on this part of the story. Let's let's grab this idea and make it kind of big. This seems important. So with a space, sometimes you go in, you don't just accept its exact shape. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You mm-hmm. just go in and say, like, mm-hmm. what else can it be? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So. Well, that's, yeah. I just thought... That's a long answer. In New York City, you're always going somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. So there's something about that road formation mm-hmm. that also... The, you're, you're rarely in your place. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But, but the, the whole mentality of a New Yorker is... You're on the I'm street, going, going somewhere. From here like, whenever here. I call my parents, it's always like I'm on the way to the subway. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm always right. on the way somewhere. Right. It was always supposed to be the st- the, th- the scenes that were clearest in my head were everything on the street, mm-hmm. and that everything is is a street. You know, yeah, right. that you're walking down the street. Yeah. yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, uh, Derek, I I brought you in particularly because I mean, you play Roger, which is you know, every it's an ensemble piece. Everybody's a big role but yours is kind of the the Rudolph of of Boheme you're mm. you're one of the leads mm-hmm. and you have a, a number called One Sun Glory um 
in the first act, pretty early in the piece, it feels to me like I don't know the show that well. I actually had never seen it and um, had oh, not really? I hadn't heard. Wow. Yeah, so I, oh. I was. I was after actually. this, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, and I'll, I'll just say I had preconceptions about what it was, um, and I had an idea of it as a Broadway, a Broadway musical, um, which to me means sometimes you know. Uh, glitzy, overdone, a little bit artificial. I mean, there's things I love about Broadway musicals, don't get me mm. wrong, but there is an aesthetic, and I'm interested to talk about that, actually. Anyway, so so this that's not what I found when I got here. Um, and I don't know how much of that's the production reinterpreting the piece, and how much is the piece never was that. It just sort of became that because it was such a hit on Broadway. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a, a tour version of it, and... Um, I can only assume that that's very similar to what happened when it first came out. Yeah. It 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 deals with such intense topics and and homosexuality and things that weren't necessarily an open dialogue when it first came out. Mm. And I think if it if it was approached as um, in such a grounded, honest way as we are approaching it, mm-hmm. instead of it was it it was sort of a concert when I yes, saw it. Yes. Right. You know that's what I mean. A good description. It made it family friendly. Mm-hmm. It made it kids could come, and it was mm-hmm. it, it made it possible to open up a dialogue between children and and their parents mm-hmm. about what they just saw. Now, if if it had been as as intense as and as the honesty and and the lives that these people are going through that we are we are going for, right? They may not have. They may not the have. Grittiness. Yeah, they may not have. Uh, they may not have been able to to have that dialogue as much. Yeah. And it. it yeah. That's a really good distinction. I mean, there's just this um, this gloss sometimes you think of with the Broadway musical that holds you a little at a distance from the mm-hmm. darkness or the grittiness. And in this production, that's certainly not the case. Okay, so we have wandered far from One Song Glory, <laughs> Song Glory. which I right. do want to ask you about. Um, I thought it was so moving. I was there with my um, 17-year-old son, who's an aspiring actor, and we were both kind of sobbing. And this is a hard <laughs> question, but if there's some way we could get at what makes a song like that, it's totally heartfelt, very intense. You sang it very angry in a lot of places, I felt like. And one thing I want to know is how do you keep the emotion from getting in the way of being able to sing? I'm actually a singer. I know you can, if you let yourself go too far, you can't actually sing very well. But also, how do you, I don't know, how did you make it great? <laughs> well, I mean, I, Derek, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that I did. Uh-huh. I think it was, it was David's idea originally mm-hmm. to, to have it on acoustic and to have mm-hmm. me writing mm-hmm. it. And, and I think, t- tell me if I'm wrong. I think the original idea was having me like playing through the whole thing. Yeah. And then, um, Tim, the music director, um, had the idea of coming through midway mm-hmm. and we wrote, we, we tried to figure out where, where the emotion became, or, or what he was saying became too emotional to continue. So there, yes. you'll notice there are moments where there are breaks, right? Where as the tempo doesn't stay strict. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was how we navigated the emotional, um, the emotional problems, mm-hmm. um, being and still being able to sing because if he's writing it and he is having that emotional problem, he wouldn't. He would. He would. He would lose it. his shit. But right. oh, excuse me. And that's the thing you arrive at in rehearsal yeah. in, in any that, situation, yeah. which is you sort of like, okay, this is where the the. The, uh, the 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 river has washed over the canoe, right? Uh-huh. Sanford Meisner, says. right? <laughs> right. Um, Which is bad. You're yeah. saying. That's well, when there's you... a Sanford Meisner thing about the words of the the, the words of the canoe. The river is the emotion, mm-hmm. and generally, the canoe stays on top of the water. Right. 
and sometimes gets swamped. Yes, yeah. but ideally the canoe is always on top of right, the water. Right, right, right. right. Um, Let's talk about how good Derek is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's really, I mean, that's really it. As, as far as, I, I think it's angry because he is angry. Yeah. He's very, he won't leave the house. He, right. he just wants to write one song and then he just wants to die, whether the aides do it or mm. if he just decides to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that we talked about was that he, he probably will decide to do it if there wasn't that knock on the door. Interesting. And that was what was going to happen tonight. Yeah. And, and so just going to that place with, with the music and. Well, so what, what you just told me, which is very interesting is that essentially it's arranged that that is an arranged version of the song. It's not, I mean, right. That if you were, that you didn't sing in places where the score would show that you are singing? Um, no, is that we, true? No? I, I sang in all the places where the score would show. We just, instead of it being a continuous, a continuous one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, mm. we um, were trying to figure it out. Like when you write a song, you mm. don't write it perfectly the first time. Right. So right. we're trying to figure out, You're this, I like this chords, idea, this sounds right. good. Mm-hmm. What's next? What mm-hmm. do I say next? Mm-hmm. What, what? This would sound good. This would sound good. Oh, that's... Too much. I can't go there if right now. I can now. just jump in because I, I, I actually had the privilege of seeing the show three times, uh-huh. which is something that obviously an actor doesn't have. Usually. Doesn't have and that we'll experience. Explain that we can talk about bit, that later. Right. But one of the things that was so beautiful to me about the show, which is maybe something that you're responding to mm. when you think of a Broadway production too, just to go back quickly, mm. is that um, we're not in this production. We're not afraid of not being polished. Yes. You know which mean? is another good word, right? So what that allows the breath for is discovery. And I think in a musical, oftentimes you don't have these moments like in One Song Glory where mm-hmm. you have the character actually discovering the words of the song in the moment. Mm-hmm. And therefore sort know. of fumbling, stumbling. Right. Yes. And one of the moments to me, which was so moving and finally made mm-hmm. this moment work in the show, because I did see the show six times. I saw it three times on Broadway. I saw it twice in London. I saw yeah. it once in Toronto. You liked the show. So <laughs> I, I have I have a very specific relationship with the show. Yeah. Also, like I was in college when the show came out. Yeah. So And when I saw the show for the first time, from my conversations with David and with PJ, the artistic director, mm. it was everything I wanted the show to be. It just mm. expl- there were things in the show that I'd never seen before yeah. that finally resonated yeah. or made sense. Um, but I was going to say something. Uh, well, you were you were talking you were talking about the the, the discovery the, the, the not being polished it allows yeah. for like the discovery of like keeping the song kind of exactly which happens in La Vie Bohème. And then the other moment is the moment at the end of the show, which is when he sings that song to Mimi, which in the yeah. past, mm-hmm. you know, like Roger would be like, now I'm going to go grab a guitar and play mm-hmm. the song for you. Right. And there's something in that moment of just holding her in his hands and the song just comes to him in that uh-huh. moment, which was like, oh my God, of course, that's spectacular. Right. Again, you know? David Cromer. Yeah. Right. Well, but, it, but those things are just, those things are just circumstantial. I mean, one of the things that's, that's, sort of fun to do is you if you look at the circumstance and say what is it you what what are the circumstances you can find something sort of interesting in it um we played one song glory acoustically because the power has gone out which means there's no electricity which means he wouldn't be playing an electric guitar so he has to get his acoustic guitar musicians have multiple guitars which means although he does have an electric guitar he would have an acoustic Mm -hmm. guitar um uh uh since he's talking about wanting to write a song, we said, like, what if he's right? You know, what if he's writing? That led us to things that we understood about the whole beginning of the show, which is that Roger and Mark have decided to stay home tonight and work. They're both trying to do something different. Roger's going to write again for the first time in a long time, and Mark's going to try to shoot a documentary about his apartment instead of, like, writing a screenplay and trying to make, like, a movie. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? So right. it just led to the idea. Like little little things like that just lead you to right. circumstances. Just lead you to like what what, and then it just tells you what to do. The play just tells you what to do. I, I have the impression from talking to a lot of people in the theater that so much of it is serendipitous. I mean, I'm not sure that's a good example because that's in the script. Mm -hmm. But then it takes you to something different, and that leads to something different. And the beginning, you couldn't possibly have said where each of those little. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. forks you, in the road will end you up. But you don't know that Roger's going to sing your eyes a cappella because it because it no one sings anything a cappella in Rent. Right. He plays the guitar, but right. he's it just feel, felt weird to go get the guitar at that point. Right. So, yeah. Right. right. So it just grew out, and that grows up somewhat out of the aesthetic of the production that you're mm -hmm. going to be more realistic, to use a kind of funny word for theater. Um, well, maybe, Roger, before we leave this, is there anything that David said to you in the course of rehearsal, or Tim, the music director, that just felt like a, oh, I see it, I get it, I can do it. it, it did that happen at all, or is it more of a million times. Uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. now are you going to remember any of them? Um, yeah, they all come back. Um, as as uh, Some things that, that will always stick with me are, are things that David said. One of them was, you will never remember how poor you are. You will always remember how happy you were. Mm. Um, uh, another one was an, ob an objective in motion stays in motion until acted upon by another by another object. Another one was just the idea of the way people move in a musical and how the 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 music, even if it's not choreographed, it's still going to affect. If you're singing, it's also going to affect your movement. It all your your whole your whole self goes with that. Mm. You can't just let the voice sing while the body stays in this real time thing, right? Which I thought was really really interesting. That's it because you're in this different kind of reality when you're singing mm -hmm. in a musical. Mm -hmm. And I would say the thing that I, that I Harness that I, you know, chose to harness with with Derek. Derek and I have known each other for a long time. We're friends. We've hung out socially. We we did in Chicago. Now we both live in New York, and we we've hung out there. And uh, and we talk a lot about work. We talk a lot about about and our and our inadequacies at work. And mm -hmm. our, you know what I mean. Our like like our inability to like get going you mm -hmm. know what i mean and mm -hmm. stuff like that so like i just knew that was that he understood that that part of this character that kind of anger and that kind of trying to write or trying to create or trying to get it going you right. know right. so well that's actually sets us up very nicely to talk to eduardo because <laughs> yeah. on the one hand david and derek have known each other from before this production and certainly had the time working together eduardo explain um the story of how you came into this well, I was on the Bolt bus <laughs> heading from Boston to New York City um, when I got a phone call from the artistic director of American Theatre Company, PJ mm -hmm. Paparelli, who I've known for very many years. Uh -huh. um, we, he directed me when I was in college, and then he also directed me in a production of Corpus Christi, the Terrence McNally play, in the, for the DC premiere of that. And... Um, I don't know, I was in this weird, I was on a hiatus, I've been working nonstop for the past couple of years doing musical theater and Shakespeare and repertory, and was catering, you know, uh -huh. had a full docket of catering jobs, you know, lined up um, before my next job, which is um, this summer in Lake Tahoe, and, um, and in many ways, I think contemplating what is this acting career, <laughs> you know, and what, you know, what, what's next, you know, I mean, I think actors, you know, when you hit like a point of not having work, you, right. you're never gonna work again. I was like, I'm starting my own business. Like I was really entrepreneurial. I was I, like, you know, I was like all about telling people that I was committing to New York City. You know, I was done with leaving. You know, I was, you know, making a home for myself because I'm not a gypsy, you know. And then I get this phone call 
And I'm told that there was this situation and the... Which you have to explain because people won't even well, know. Well, I think they would probably know better than I would. Yeah. Well, um, uh, uh, the, the, an actor, would, an actor, the uh, Esteban Underscrews, a marvelous, very good friend, a marvelous friend, had a, a family situation and he had, just couldn't continue in the show. We thought he was only going to be gone for a couple of days. And it ended up, he just ended up saying, I, I've just got to step out. I've just got to step and out. And this so was almost this was opening. Right after opening. Right after right opening. opening. Yeah. And, you know, so, and so, and that was a, you know, that was a big, that was a big blow. He right. was a, you know. Anyone who knows Esteban knows he's a big part of, you know, mm-hmm. anybody, yeah. but so, right, so. You so then. So, so they're looking for someone so to come in at zero notice yeah. and yeah. take over the role of Angel, which is another one of the right. key roles in the show. And frankly, I mean, I thought that ship had sailed. Do you know what I mean? Like, as right. somebody who had, you know, someone who's had a relationship with this play for so long, you know, first of all, like, I thought. So you'd never the whole played show, it. No, I've yeah. never played the part. I thought the ship, the whole show had sailed. I mean, in right. New York City, I'm not in my early 20s, you know? So there was something about all of a sudden when that kind of was presented to me as a possibility, I was supposed to be on a cruise, you know, to Bermuda. I direct and choreograph an undergraduate glee club. Like I was supposed to be with them in Bermuda for a week. Um, Like there were all these other possibilities that had been lined up and all of a sudden this presented itself. And And how long did you have to decide? Well, so this was Tuesday. I, PJ gave me David's number. Yeah. So this is only the second time that I've met David. Yeah. Um, so David and I talked about I mean, this year, right now. Right, right now this is the second most right amount of time, time we spent right. together. Because the show had opened. And, the okay, show, yeah. Right, yeah. So then we... David's um, gone. So we had a phone conversation. <laughs> and then I said, do you want to meet? Let's like... So then we actually met in Central Park. Uh-huh. And we walked around Central Park. You know, um, we had a fabulous conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and immediately when he started talking about because we, we started talking about Angel, you know, and immediately I understood exactly where they were going with the show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, Esteban, and this is a tribute to Esteban and who he is as a person and as an actor, that I think that it was his portrayal that allowed me to be considered for this part. Yeah, that, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because Not I think yet. that Why? Well, because I think we're probably in a very similar vein. Oh, I see. You know, mm-hmm. I think that... Um, I'm not someone who you would look at me immediately and say he's angel. See, having only seen the show once, right. I would. I mean? Right, there's a there's a very there is a there is a model for angel that uh-huh. was laid out by the original production, and uh-huh. and that's and this is and it's a, and it's a, you know it's wonderful, it's very effective, it's a hugely beloved and popular character, yeah. mm-hmm. deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a model for the character that was there's a model for all these characters that were set by that original production. Right. And there really haven't been. Reinterpretations, new, uh, other new, 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 full, like brand new productions of it because right. it was so, so wholly the the Greif production. Right. So Angel is often played much younger, very, 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 very feminine, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, um, uh, like a drag queen who f- almost fully identifies as female. Uh-huh. Um, am I? Am I uh, no, yeah, I think what that's, else? that's and, I mean, what were the and, things that you felt weren't you? Why did you think that? Well, I just think that also physically, you know, like you know, I have a build, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah. um, and um, I think it's also an age thing. Like, uh-huh. I'm not in that age range, you know. Right. And I think in you know in in professional theater, oftentimes there's a conversation about type or whatever, yeah. you know. And I thought that even at the point, like. Even though I am Latin, maybe I'm not Latin enough. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That, you know, so there are all these other things that people didn't necessarily see me in that role. Right. But there's a lot that I do connect to with a character, and that's one of the things that we talked right. about, which is that I think that Angel, as a character, is somebody who does span the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that breath then makes it possible for someone like me to play the part. Right. And then we started talking a lot about 
who, what is the reality or what are the who is this person and where does he come from? And we started talking about the documentary Paris is Burning, mm-hmm. um, which is a fabulous documentary about the drag balls where voguing started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we also talked a little bit about um, John Leguizamo, mm-hmm. you know, and talking a little bit about, I mean, and the extreme camp version of that is Chi Chi from yeah. <laughs> Tulong Fu. Right. But, but there's something about the specificity of where this person is from, mm-hmm. you know, and... You know, it's like uh, if if you you know you can't meet anyone tougher than a drag queen from the projects. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because to wear heels and lipsticks, lipstick and do your hair and do your face and then walk through the projects through some of the toughest neighborhoods, yeah. you know, in the city. You know, to have that level of power or confidence and yeah. um, bravery, yeah. you know, you know that person has put up with a lot. Right. You know, and right. knows how to defend themselves. Yeah. So, and so it was the idea of a character who was more a citizen of the city as opposed mm-hmm. to, say, a citizen of a small portion of the gay community. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, of a lot of the city, of, yeah. of a lot of the world, and, and, yeah. and which, someone who which, was very male as well. I mean, to me, having, again, just seen this one production, Angel is the connector, right? He right. is the bridge. So the idea that he would have been somehow um, parochial wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. But... Again, I haven't seen it. it and there's nothing the wrong. Way. There's nothing wrong right, with right, the, right. with the, with the, the model. Yeah. It just it is right. possible. The writing is very very good, yeah. and and writing is only as great as it is. It is only as much as it is, and then it meets an actor, right? And mm-hmm. all of who that actor is comes right. into the room, right? And that comes into the thing. And the, it mm-hmm. is possible to add these other things to it. You know, yeah. as I search when I'm casting, as I search for this exactly specific thing, I also realize sometimes you just go screw it and grab somebody yeah. and and hire them, and then and say that's or, will be right. This will be you know the, the, the will 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 figure out what it is with this per, with the, this information in this person. Right, right. You said the ship had sailed, which suggests to me that it was a role you had wished you. Oh, could do. totally. I mean, yeah. when I saw that show. You know, completely. You know, and I mean, as you know, I mean, as a gay man, you know, I mean, and not not that that's the only role that I would have wanted yeah. to play, but yeah. you know, um, again, maybe what I respond to is the spirit of the character, and that's probably mm-hmm. why I'm drawn to the character, yeah. and one of the things that I love about playing that character. Um, so just quickly, because we'll talk about that too, but yeah. back to the story. Yeah. yeah, right. So we had this conversation on Tuesday, you know, but there was still no formal offer. Oh. So I couldn't right. cancel. Everything. Everything in line. So, right. um, so I actually cater waited an event from two o'clock in the afternoon to one o'clock in the morning in New York on Wednesday, and at one forty-five in the morning that Thursday, I got an email saying it's a go. On Thursday at six p.m., my stuff went into storage. On Friday at one, I mailed my things here. At four thirty, I was on a plane, and I saw the show that evening. And how quickly did you go in? Who was the, was the understudy playing? The, under, the, the yeah, understudy yeah. was playing, and I um, went in the following Wednesday. So I rehearsed Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday. And David was gone, so who did I you rehearse with? I worked with um, Michael Driscoll, who's the assistant director, mm-hmm. who was fantastic, and then Katie Clem, the stage manager. I'm yeah. going to blank on her name. I apologize. Jess yeah, Reddish. Jess, Jess Reddish, the choreographer. Right. And um, I don't know. For, for, and I, I mean, I've said this before. Like from the moment that I got the news, like I, it just felt right. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I wasn't nervous uh-huh. at all. So you had how long to learn the role? Four days. Four days. <laughs> right? you, I want you to know that to a lay person, <laughs> yeah. that sounds yeah. like and you no, must and be I think kidding. at another point in my career, I probably would have been terrified. Yeah. But what became really clear to me in that moment, you know, and I think it's probably one of the reasons why PJ called me also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because um, I am, 
I'm somebody who just kind of leads with love, I guess. Can I say that on this yeah. podcast? You absolutely you know? can. But, you know, but I felt like the, the, the cast lost their heart, mm. you know, with the show yeah. in that way. So what, what the show needed was a heart transplant. Do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. that's what I did. I just came in and from the moment I came in, I was like, I'm sorry that this happened to you, but I am here. And I must say it's the most generous group of people you know, the most generous group of people, like the moment that I came in, they said, I'll cover you, which uh-huh. is a line from the show. And that's yes. something that everybody says to each other right. backstage before the show. Right. But then there was a part of me that was like, but that's not a two-way street. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it is a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you cover me, and I'm going to cover you too. Well, that's what's so, so fascinating. We're going to cover about, each other. Yeah, what you, you just know? said took me so by surprise, because in the kind of, I don't know, cliche version of that situation, the cast is saying, oh, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, we'll help you. You know, the idea of this one person carrying all this pressure is so mm-hmm. huge. And to turn it around and understand what a terrible burden it is for the cast to lose the person that they've rehearsed with over the weeks and whom they've built their performances around and have you come in and say, it's okay, I'm going to help you out, it'll be all right. That's that's surprising and really <laughs> lovely to me. You know, I guess maybe it would have been obvious to you. Well, so Roger, just talk a little bit about what that experience was like when the cast has to adjust to this new person well well, first i want to say it's really interesting because um esteban was one of the first people i've ever really uh heard use the expression lead with love Mm. Mm. and it was really nice to just hear you say that then (laughs) which is really cool right yeah that's right um uh, esteban was was such an an enormous is is. (laughs) esteban is his angel was Uh such an enormous part of of how we created our our family dynamics within that family um and and eduardo stepped right in and he led with his heart and he led with love and Mm -hmm. he he took care of us Mm -hmm. just just as we tried to take care of him it was it was just really lovely and and david has also given us while there are many moments where it's we have to be at this point now, there's a lot. He he wants communication. We're all communicating, and because we have this ability to communicate with each other, as opposed to I have to hit this mark at this point every time. You're saying um, that he gives you a little bit of leeway in just where he, you are. He very intelligently gives us room to live mm-hmm. in the role. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, and, and maybe sure. <laughs> maybe I, maybe this was just I my see, you had me at very intelligently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the thing that's really hard too is as a replacement, you know, oftentimes what what what's demanded of you is an an exact replica of what was right. created before, right. you which know. you didn't see for one thing. Well, I, mm. I I did see that there was a an understudy tape that was made, and there's also choreography mm. that I mm-hmm. did watch, but mm-hmm. but everyone was very clear that. I mean, I wasn't reinventing the wheel. Within that template, Mm. I had room Mm -hmm. to make him my own. So, so that was huge. Oh, and you felt like you had room. You oh, felt, totally. Yeah. Okay, oh my god, awesome. and and that that was from from the entire creative team and from the cast, you know. Yeah. And I must say that um, that the thing that I noticed when I was watching the show, which as an actor, just you know, I, I guess. You know, maybe a lay person doesn't necessarily see it, mm-hmm. but as an actor, like I, it's the first thing I connected to was how much play was going on mm-hmm. in there. And, you know? and explain for the lay people what you mean by play in that the, context. The freedom, the listening to each other, this is what the I'm, reacting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the the subtlety with which they're not communicating reciting, with each not, other. Yeah. You know, it just felt so lived in. Yes. There, there are no robots there are up no robots. there, and we are all living with each other. Yeah. And he came in honest. Mm-hmm. 
to that first show. I had no choice. He but came to. in honest, you and know. we honestly responded, and it was just life. Yeah. It was life yeah. happening. And that wasn't a huge change. What you're saying, I think, is that the the style of the production and the approach of the company made it easier because they oh, were totally. going to they weren't going to res- they weren't going to do what they did when it was Esteban because that's what they do every night mm-hmm. they were going to do whatever you served up they were mm-hmm. going to respond right. to yes. and that was what they had been doing all along and it was like, with Angel a says this to me yeah. and I I'm not I'm not I didn't I didn't know I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn I'm just saying mm-hmm. but ideally in a show Angel comes in and said this to me right. and so and I just responded right Mm-hmm. You know, so, so then you I just didn't know do, what Angel was going to say or when yeah. or how, yeah. Yeah. and so it doesn't matter who says it. Right. Well, can you say anything about how you feel like your performance has moved away from what you saw from the understudy tape that was Esteban, or has that have even happened? That was a presumptuous you know what? question. I don't even think I, I don't even think about it. I mean, I think that um, I, I think that that Esteban as a person, I think, led with love. Mm-hmm. And his angel was a manifestation of that love. Yeah, and I would say that Eduardo, as a person, leads with love, you know, and this angel is my manifestation of how I love. Right. You know, and I wouldn't say that one is better than the other, uh-huh. you know, but um, I, I would just say it's another, ex- a different expression, you know. So, and I, I think. You've also done it so many times, more times now than you would have seen that tape. You've probably watched right. it oh, twice or something. You know what I mean? And then once yeah. I got into the space, too, and it's yeah. also a tape, and the tapes are always like yeah, yeah, the worst right. thing. Nobody yeah. ever wants right. to look at that yeah. thing, you know. Uh, it, inevitably, you know, this is, you know, lore. The moment somebody tapes something, everything that could go wrong goes wrong, right. you know. So, right. Um, right. But I must say, from the beginning, from the moment that I spoke to David and I'd spoken to PJ mm. and. And I saw the um, the, the video. Mm-hmm. I I knew it was the production of Rent, mm-hmm. you know. And I must say, I mean, the, it, it it wasn't supposed to be mine, right? You know, but I am so thrilled that it is. Yeah. And it's um, it's it's been you know. And, and I, this is one of the things that I talked to David about. You know, because we were talking again, again, you know, you're barely making any money, <laughs> you know, you right. you leave everything, you put things in storage, you know, it's like right. the drop of a hat, but you know, but lot. you get to sing the score of Rent every night, you know, mm-hmm. and for someone who's had a relationship with the show as long as I have, mm-hmm. you know, and to have the privilege to say those words and to sing those songs. Mm-hmm. And I and I just have to say dance With this it. group of people, and to dance <laughs> right. it. I'm not even a dancer, I'm, I'm not a dancer. Oh, well, come on. I know, you know, right? <laughs> you know, my line is, I'm not a dancer, I'm David Cuban. can't demur because he hasn't seen it yet, but I'm telling you. Well, you know. it, it's extraordinary to me because um, because you're Angel. And again, I come in with no preconceptions. I haven't seen the show, but I was so in love with that guy. Right. And well, thank you so much. so much glad I got to talk to you about it and um, to the three of you about a really, again, I can't just compare, compare it, but it's a great show. If you just Come see, see it. it. Come see the show. We want to see you. Feel the love. We've extended through July 1st. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, joining me to talk about it. Thank you. 